Thank you for being here. Glad you're here at Faith Community Church. We're, uh, we're just anticipating today some good things that's going to happen in people's lives. I know that's going to be correct. I just know that, <clears throat> that God is going to just release his power, his spirit, his word into people's lives. And there's going to be that wonderful transformation. So thank you for being here. If you're a guest with us, make sure you take one of those guest cards. It's a connection card, we call it. And complete it. Bring it to the uh, information desk out, just right outside the double doors. We've got a gift for you. We want to send you a note this coming week and express our appreciation for you being here. But we're glad that you're here this morning. I want to read from the book of Ecclesiastes. It's an unusual book, and it's an interesting book. It was written by Solomon, but uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes he says some things in there that's, uh, that's pretty extraordinary. I want to read the last words of this book, and they are extraordinary. The Bible says this, The preacher sought to find acceptable words, and what was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. A goad is something like a long stick. It's got a sharp point, and, and uh, you know, they would drive these, uh, these oxen, and uh, that's how they kind of kept them going in the right direction and kept them moving, so they kind of poked them. So God is saying this word is like a goad. It kind of pokes us sometime. You ever been in a service where the Holy Spirit kind of poked you a little bit, and, and uh, ooh, wow. Uh, didn't count on that one, but I got it. And so anyway, that's what's going on there. Uh, so these words of the wise are like goads, and the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is wearisome to the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And this is the key right here. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether it's good or evil. That was Solomon's conclusion in this book, and it is a great conclusion, isn't it? And it fits every one of us in here today. So let's pray together, shall we? Father, we come to this place in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, and we come with a spirit and an attitude of expectancy this morning. We anticipate and we expect you to come among us today with encouragement, with strength, with the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to move upon our lives in unique and, and, and incredible ways. So Father, we just simply open our hearts to you and we, we express unto you, Lord, speak unto my life, motivate me, stir my heart, and even change my life. Father, I pray that this day is going to be a life-changing day, a transformation day. And Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for being strong, to be able to take our lives and mold them and shape them into your desire. And Father, we thank you today. Thank you for all of our friends who are in this place this morning. We ask you to bless them strongly. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. I've just been praying so much about this message this morning. And I, uh, 
I have a routine that I sort of employ. It's, it's not anything that's set in stone or anything like that. It's just something I do. I have my notes on Saturday night. I pretty much isolate myself and just really begin to pray over these notes, read them, look at them, ask God what, what did I say here that I shouldn't say or what, did I, what should I say that I haven't thought about. Just many things. And I do that on Sunday morning too. Uh, with uh, Sunday school starting up, it really narrows that gap down quite a bit. Uh, but it's a very important time. I feel strongly this morning that God has a prophetic word to speak to people in this church. Prophetic, not by the sense that uh, the Lord is going to be coming on Thursday morning or anything like that. That's not what I'm talking about. That's, that's not what I'm suggesting or anything like that. But I think a prophetic word in the sense that a word that is going to come laced with the power of God to truly speak into people's lives. And I have a nice set of notes here, but I have become very uncomfortable with most of them. And so this is one of these deals that, um, in fact, I love this message so much, I was thinking about maybe printing it. And maybe that's what I should do. I want to read my text, though, to you, but I'm probably going to abandon most of it. Uh, it's in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It says, uh, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are from above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I want to stop there just for a minute, because in my, in my estimation, this this really encapsulates the entirety of our Christian life. If, and it talks about the risen Christ. He is risen, and when he rose, those of us who know Christ as the Savior and Lord of our life, we also rose with him. And we are hidden in Christ. He has sought us, he has bought us, as the song goes on to say. We have been redeemed. We have been restored. We have had our sins totally forgiven. There are no sins that are hanging out here, dangling out here somewhere, where it says that one was so bad, it's going to take a while to get rid of. God does not work that way. I want you to understand that, because I, I think sometimes... Folks, uh, folks come to Christ, they, they love God with all of their heart, but in the, in the back of their mind somewhere, there is hidden something. And maybe it's, a, maybe it's an attitude thing, maybe, I, I don't know what it is, but it just seems like this becomes, it can become an overshadowing thing in people's lives. And I want you to know our risen life with Christ has overcome all of that stuff, all of it. Remember last week when I had that, showed you that promissory note, we wadded it up and tossed it over into the corner. That's exactly what God has done in your life. Everything, every, all of that stuff 
of your former life, all of that stuff that happened this morning. There's people sitting in here, and you had it out on the way to church this morning. How many would raise their hand? Oh, no, no, that isn't going to work at all. That probably won't, that isn't going to happen, is it? I just say, Angie, get your prayer team up here quick. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, these things happen in our life. These things occur in our life. You know, when we, we are, when we have been given, when we give our lives to Christ, when Christ takes charge of our life, when he takes control of our life, we are living in a whole new environment of life. I relate it this way. You know, in our house, we've lived in our house 10 years. And I can get up in the middle of the night, no lights on. I can navigate that house without hitting anything, running into anything, nothing. Unless our grandkids have been there and left everything out. <laughs> then it's, boy, anything can happen there. But the point of it is, I know that house. I know it well. I know about how many steps it takes to get from the living room to the kitchen. You know that. You just do these mental things. But when we come to Christ, we are given a new residence. We are new in Christ. We are living under his roof. It's his walls that keep out the, 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 the weather and the strong winds. It is his roof that protects us. It is his fireplace that keeps us warm and all of these other things. We are his. We live in this new home of grace, wonderful grace. And what happens when you go into a new place? Well, it's not like home. I can, like I said, I can navigate from, for instance, I can swing out of bed in the morning, totally black, walk into the kitchen, not hit anything, bump into anything, nothing, because I know it. But in our new home, what happens? Sometimes we bump into stuff, don't we? And the stuff that we bump in, I'm going to just call it, call it sin. I'm going to call it mistakes. I'm going to call it we didn't have a very good day. I'm going to call it we lost our temper here or we, we just didn't do so well. Why? Because it's a new house. God doesn't cut us out of the program because we tripped over something walking down the hallway. You understand that? God doesn't say, okay, you know what? I've kind of had it with you. I've kind of been fed up with you and the way you're acting, and I'm going to put you over here, and, <clears throat> and I'm going to, you know, I'm punishing you. God doesn't work that way. And if somebody's telling you that, they're telling you wrong. You know, in the NFL, you'll have to help me with this, Pastor Russ. Uh, the NFL are, are going to begin cutting people. Is that correct? Does that start this week? Okay, you know what? This, I, I'm not paying too much attention, but, you know, anyway, there's, there's, there may be 70, 75 people that are out for the team, 80 people, but a whole bunch of those people are not going to play in the NFL when the season starts because they're going to get cut. Why did they get cut? Because they weren't performing. Why did they get cut? Well, we have too many of those people in that position anyway, and you weren't very good. 
Now we're talking about the best of the best athletes here and you still aren't very good. And so we're gonna cut you. We wanted to give you a couple million bucks a year, but we're gonna cut you. Now you can go out and sack groceries at Hy-Vee. And maybe four years from now, somebody will draft you and you'll be a superstar. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? God is not like that. God does not go out and say, you know what, I, I'll pick on Roger here. Roger, I just didn't like how, what you did this week, and, and you're cut. You're out. Uh, try again next month, okay? That isn't how God works, is it? He doesn't work that way. And you know what this is called? You know what this is called? You know what it is. It's called grace. That's why we say it's amazing. Because if it was left up to me or left up to the NFL or whatever it is, you know, we would be out. Our season is over before our season even started. And we're just simply out. But God does not work that way. And this is a text that says here, verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put, your, put to death your members which are on earth, and he, talk, he gives us quite a list here. A lot, of, a lot of bad stuff in this thing. Because these things of wrath of God, he's coming upon the sons of disobedience. God's going to say, don't worry, I'm going to punish some sin and everything. But listen, because you are a person of grace. I'm working differently in your life. Now, just in case somebody gets a little confused here this morning... And, and, and all of a sudden, a little tiny light, and it's, and it's a dim bulb, I'll tell you that if it came on. Uh, you say, oh, wow, I could kind of live any old way I want, and grace covers over that. Paul has a solution for you. Read Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. He pretty well wipes that idea out. He says, God, should we go on sinning that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. It's a pretty strong language. God forbid. And that's why I say there is a prophetic word here today because that word, that word is encompassed by the grace and the power of God. God's word comes to our lives and when it comes into our lives, something changes in our life. Do you understand that? Something changes in our lives because he speaks the word. He speaks the word. We speak the word also. We speak and things begin to happen. I just jotted down a couple notes here and I want you to think about this. We need to let heaven fill our thoughts. We truly need to let heaven fill our thoughts and, and we need to let heaven fill our speaking. Do you realize that you give life to the things that you say? Hear me on this. You give life to the things that you say. If you're saying, I'm defeated. I'm discouraged. I made a mess out of this thing. You know what you just did? You gave life to that. There are people that live, there, live for years in this kind of a thing who will say, you go up to them and say, how are you doing? I'm defeated. You know, I'm not doing well. I'm just discouraged. I'm never going to make it. I don't know how you Christians do it, but I'm not doing it. And I'll, you know what you do? You're giving life to that. 
You're literally giving life to those words and they become, they, they start to live inside you. Why aren't we saying something, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why aren't we saying stuff like that? We need to be speaking like that. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm so glad Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 is in the Bible. No condemnation. And Paul just spent the entire 7th chapter saying, man, this is, this is tough. Some of the things I want to do, I don't do. Some of the things I don't even want to get close to, I'm doing them. And he winds it up and says, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory. Did you hear that? Who gives us the victory in Christ Jesus. Now, there is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Those are some of the greatest words of the New Testament. And they need to flow into our lives. They need to speak into our hearts. They need to literally elevate us in the things that, that God wants to do and God wants to accomplish in our lives. I'm going to turn to Genesis. Um, uh, Genesis chapter 1. I know there are people probably sitting in here and says, you know what, guess what, I got that memorized. And that's a good thing. Genesis chapter 1. Powerful passage of the Bible because this passage is absolutely loaded with dynamite, spiritual dynamite in here. Listen to this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, good, we're doing good. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God, here it is, it's starting, it's starting. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Can I stop right here and just simply suggest to you that this morning the Spirit of God hovers over this congregation, this church, your life, this morning, right now. The Spirit, some of you kind of like, really? That's serious. You know what? It is serious. It is serious because guess what's going to come next here? And God said. Say that with me. And God said. And when God said, guess what happened? Guess what happens when God said? He said, let there be light, and there was light. And if you mark this in your first chapter of Genesis, you're going to discover that on eight different occasions, God said and something happened. God said and something happened. That's why I'm excited about the service today because the Spirit of God hovers over this congregation. We pray about that literally every Sunday morning. The Spirit of God hovers over this congregation, and I'm saying here today, God is going to say, he's going to speak, and you're going to be able to respond, and that's why you can walk out of this place transformed. God at work in your life. God is going to speak, and you're going to hear it, and your life is going to be changed, transformed. It's going to be different. 
I just want you to understand that. And God said. Psalm 119 verses 130 says, The unfolding of your words give light. It gives light. My words bring light into darkness. My words, your words as a follower and as a believer in Christ, your words bring life into the midst of darkness. You bring light. You bring hope. When you walk into a room where there's not a whole lot of hope, you bring hope with you. Pretty sure I've said this. I, I know I've, I think I've shared this. I'm sure I have. But I recall walking into a hospital. This is years ago. And I'm telling you, this hospital was filled with hopelessness. Discouragement literally was just about, it seemed like it was going to drown everybody in that room. And I walked into that room, and I know this for sure. I know this for a certainty. The Holy Spirit told me to say, everybody be quiet. Because they were all crying. The baby here was dying. I said, stop. Don't cry. Be quiet. God's going to do something. And I reached my hand into that little bed. It was covered with a plastic thing, and they were pumping oxygen into this thing, and IVs and all kinds of stuff. And we prayed a little prayer for that baby. I heard the helicopter took the baby to Des Moines. And when the baby got to Des Moines, the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with this child. This child is whole. This child is healthy. The parents didn't know that because they didn't drive as fast as the helicopter. <laughs> but I knew it by mid-afternoon. God spoke. The word became flesh, if you will, dwelling among us. And God's grace was extended to that child. And God's victory was extended to that child. Hallelujah. I see no reason this morning why people with needs in your life can't be prayed for at this altar. And God will do the same thing for you. The people who will pray with you are going to speak a word, a word from God. And you are going to respond to what God just did. Amen? Is there something going on outside? Everybody's looking at the window. Thought I heard something there a little bit ago. Well, you're going to hear something else here. Turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, it's in the Old Testament, of course. Comes right after Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel 37, then Daniel. If you went past Daniel, you went too far. Here it is, Ezekiel chapter 37. I love this passage because I think we're going to park here. <clears throat> you want to know about an impossible situation? 
that's rain, people. Just in case, don't pay attention to it. Pay attention to me. That's just rain. It'll be there when we're done. Because we're going to wrap this thing up in about 10 minutes. And if you don't gawk around, we can do it in five. <laughs> the hand of the Lord, verse 1. hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out. Now, I want you to notice something. I want you to pay very close attention to this text through at least the first 14 or 15 verses because there are some things in this text that I have underlined in my Bible, I have highlighted in my Bible, and I want you to think about these things because what you're going to see and what you're going to hear is you're going to hear the words prophesy, you're going to hear the word breathe upon. And I'm going to explain that in just a second. This is powerful stuff here. And this isn't just something for the history book so that we could look at and say, boy, that was neat. That's something that the book gives to us that he applies into our lives today on this date, August 26th at Faith Community Church. He brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. And down in the midst of the valley was full of bones and he caused me to pass by this. This whole valley was full of dry bones representing dead Israel. Israel totally dead. This was representing Israel. There was no life in these bones. These were just a collection of bones. They literally filled the valley. And then God said to Ezekiel, the prophet, he said, can these bones live? Ezekiel, Ezekiel filled with the wisdom, I believe the wisdom of God. He said, thou knowest, Lord. Ezekiel didn't come around and say, oh yeah, no problem. Yep, they're going to live. Yep, let's, you know, we'll breathe on them and away they go. Thou knowest, Lord. And verse 4, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And God says, Surely I will cause breath, breath. A little Hebrew lesson here this morning. The word is ruah. If you look at it in the New Testament, it's pneuma. Same word. The breath of God. The breath of God. And the Bible says... I will put sinews on you and bring flesh on you, cover up your skin to put breath, ruach, in you, the breath of God. And so I prophesied, I spoke. There were words that was given to me by God himself, and I spoke those words. And when I spoke those words, something began to happen Verse 7, suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together. And I looked at them, dropping down a little bit. There was no breath, there was no ruach in them. And God said, prophesy to them. Prophesy and say to the breath, breath, breathe on these people, and God caused them to live. If God can look over an entire valley 
of the most dead, the most impossible situation that you could imagine. The most desperate situation that you could imagine. Then I'm believing that God can step into your situation and breathe the breath of God, the, the pneuma, the, 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 the ruah of God, and God will do something. He'll do something. You know, I was thinking about the ministry of Jesus. I think about this a lot, obviously. But, you know, I, I come to the kind of the conclusion, Jesus did not necessarily come to give us a whole lot of new information. But what he did come for is our transformation. He wants us transformed. I think of that early church. And the Bible says by the time Acts, 15, or Acts 17, I think it is, showed up, uh, this church had been going for a little while, not very long though. He says, these who have changed the world have come here also. I want that to be said of our life, don't you? These who have changed the world have come here also. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have television. They didn't have, uh, well, they had the printed, they didn't have the printed page either, by the way. They had virtually nothing that we had. But you know, their lives had become so dramatically changed by Christ. Christ was living in them, not just on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, but Christ was living in them in such a powerful way that people recognized the differences in their lives when they did business with these people, when they worked with these people, when they listened to these people, all of these things. And I pray that God would help us to be the same kind of salt and light material that when we leave this place this morning, our mission field, obviously, is right on the other side of these doors. And that it would be so profound in that way that life, life is changing as we walk into the room or whatever it is. And that's going to happen. Let me just read something. This actually is in my notes. And I, I think it's from 1 John chapter 2, I think. I didn't write that down. But it comes from the New Living Translation. I just love it. And we'll make this kind of our benediction today. It says, yes, dear friends, we are already God's children. And we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. I'm already liking this one. But we do know that when he does come, we will be like him. For we shall see him as he really is. So we've got a little something ahead of us, don't we? Something that's going to be pretty good. And you know that transformation is beginning right now. It doesn't wait until he, when the trumpet blows, and that's going to be big. But that transformation actually is beginning right now. Amen? Amen. Stand, if you would, please. Lift up your hands to the Lord for his blessing. Father, may the Lord bless and keep this congregation and these people. Father, I pray that you'll fill our hearts with a heart of love, a heart of great grace, 
Father, I pray that we would not be people that act like the rest of the world and talk like the rest of the world or think even like the rest of the world. But Father, I pray that you'll give us a heaven connection. You'll give us the love of Christ that that is just absolutely saturating our lives on a daily basis. Thank you for your great forgiveness. Thank you for answering prayer at this, this altar time today. And thank you for each person here. May the blessing of God fill their lives and fill their homes. In Christ's name I pray, amen. God bless you.